0: the answer is. And it's Christ himself. If you will stand with me and turn to John chapter 10. We're going to read one verse in John chapter 10 and it is verse number 10. And this is what the Bible says. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And here's what Jesus' answer is. I am come... That they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. So I want to talk, I want to preach to you this morning about this, being saved, knowing it for sure, and living the normal Christian life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing opportunity to be gathered in your house this morning. And certainly your Holy Spirit is already working. And so we pray, Lord, that the power of the Holy Spirit would work on all of our hearts today through the ministry of your word. We're looking to you, Lord, for the answers for the needs that we may have, no matter what they are. We know that you are the answer. So, Lord, whether it's salvation today in the hearts of some or whether it's assurance in the hearts of others or where, whether it is living that life abundantly that you have set before us, the normal life that we should be living, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts through your word. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. There are three things that I want us to look at today, but I want to center it around this one thing that plagues Christianity and ruins people from service. And that is assurance of salvation. Many people deal with this. And if you look back which I did, <laughs> over a bunch of sermons preached over various churches that I have respect. There are few messages directed at assurance of salvation. There are lots of doubts and reasons creep in into true believers' lives that affect them and is often very devastating for a long time. I have a, um, a person that I'm very close to, a family member, who... Struggled with doubt for over 10 years. Devastating doubt. Um, I asked her to kind of recount her testimony to me uh, uh, earlier in the week a little bit. But she recounted it something like this in that she was saved at an early age, said a prayer, and the person leading her to Christ questioned that prayer because they didn't hear that prayer. And that seed of doubt began at that moment that the devil used periodically through her life. It got her to a place where she was asking Christ to save her, as she put it, hundreds of times a day. And when that happens, and what happened with her, depression sets in, you lose your joy, all kinds of things and there's no way you can be an effective christian worker for christ. And so the question here is what do you think the devil wants for us? The first part of that passage of scripture is that he is here to what? To steal to This is where you can talk back to me so I know your way. To steal to yeah, and what else? And to destroy And so he wants to keep unsaved people from getting saved and understanding the truth of salvation for sure. But he also wants to keep you as a Christian unsure of your salvation, your true salvation. So in order to look at assurance of salvation, we need to look at salvation itself and understand that from the Bible. Okay. So, what does it take to have life, as our passage in John chapter 10, verse number 10 says? Well, it involves three things. It involves your mind. There's an understanding that we all have to have where salvation is concerned. It involves your affections. There has to be an agreement to those things that you're understanding. And you have to have the third piece is a wheel. You have to make a decision. A decision has to take place. It's not good enough for you to just have an understanding of salvation or to even just agree with it. But you have to make a decision. Turn over to John chapter 6 and verse 47. John chapter 6 and verse 47 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believe on me hath, what? Everlasting life. Believe on me hath everlasting life. See, not just believing in Jesus or about Jesus is going to do it. You have to believe on Jesus to, get it, to have eternal life. But there's a problem here because 1 Corinthians chapter 2 states that man cannot comprehend spiritual things. So if man can't comprehend spiritual things, how are they going to get saved? Well, there's a, there's a solution to that problem, because in John chapter 16, it, the Bible talks that the Holy Spirit convinces the world of three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. See, sin is the problem, hell is the consequence, but listen, Jesus is the answer. Turn over to John chapter 16, I want to read those verses, I think they're very important. John chapter 16 And Jesus is talking, he says, nevertheless, in verse number 7, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I uh, not go away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, he will not come unto you, and if I depart, I will send him unto you. So he's sending the Holy Spirit, and when he has come, when the Holy Spirit has come, this 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 is what the Holy Spirit does to the world. He reproves the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And in verse number nine, he says of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to the father and they see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So the Holy Spirit comes in and he convinces you lost person of three things of your sin, of righteousness and of judgment. Hell is the consequence here. So. You have to believe first on Jesus. As the Bible is clear in, in John chapter 6 and verse 47 if you believe on Jesus, you will have eternal life. There's also faith and repentance as part of salvation. You, you have to have faith and repentance. So, what is faith? What is faith? Faith is trust, it is reliance, and it is dependence. What is it trusting? Uh, reliance and dependence on it is reliance and dependence on jesus alone you have to have faith in jesus in hebrews chapter 11 we all know who are who are christians and have read any part of our bible know that this is where faith is explained and in, in verse number one it is the substance and the evidence this is faith it, it is. And in verse number six in that same chapter, without it, the Bible says we cannot please God. So it has to be there. But how does it get there? Well, Romans chapter 10, it comes by hearing. You have to hear in order to have faith. And then there's repentance. Faith and repentance go together. Repentance is turning to Christ You've believed on him. You've put your dependence on him and you trust in him. That is the repentance to Christ that you are taking your dependence on yourself to get to heaven because you can't do it. And you're giving it and putting it onto Christ. You're turning to him and he will save you. I'll say it again. Sin is the problem. But here, listen, n- n- not sinning is not the solution to your salvation. Jesus is the solution to your salvation. Acts chapter 26, repent and turn to God. Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, Jesus says, repent ye and believe the gospel. See, we can mess this up, though, that will later on cause Christians doubt because repentance is not a work. It can't be a work because we are not saved by our works. We are saved by what Jesus Christ did for us alone. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9, what does the Bible say? You, most of you in here can quote this verse. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Let Next three words, everybody, not of works, lest any man should boast. Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, same thing. Titus chapter three, verse five, not by works of righteousness, which men have done. We all know what our righteousness is worth. But according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So there is believing on Christ. There is faith. There is repentance. There's also conviction of the Holy Spirit. If you've been saved, you know you've been convicted of the Holy Spirit of God. Sin is the offense to a holy God. You not trusting in a holy God to save you is an offense toward him, the creator of the universe. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse number 20. For there is not a just man on the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Now we're all condemned, everybody on this world. The Bible says that there's not a just man upon this earth. Not by your righteousness. Isaiah chapter 64, verse number six. But we are all as unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Our righteousness will not do it. (laughs) But thank God, his righteousness, that's why he came, to give us his righteousness so that we can be saved. And you also have to understand, in order to be a Christian, that there is a judgment. Why else would we need, need, need to be saved? Saved from what? Well, saved from hell fire. That's what the Bible calls it. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So now the question is, is is your name there? If it isn't, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus has come that they might have life. And the rest of that verse that we looked at, that they might have it more abundantly. Turn over in your Bibles, please, with me. I want you to look at this, and I'm going to ask you a question. And after the question, I want you to answer aloud. Okay? First John chapter 5. And verse number 13. Listen carefully. I'm going, to read the, I'm going to read the passage. And then I'm going to ask you a question. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now. We're moving beyond salvation. We've taken care of that. We understand what that is according to scripture and we're moving to assurance. And so my question to you is, is it possible for someone to not know they have eternal life? Yes or no. Some yeses. Very weak. Some no's. Also very weak. And some just stares. (laughs) Maybe it's, I know it's Sunday morning. I know we don't normally ask questions in a Sunday morning service, but I just can't help myself. I'm going to read the passage again. I'm going to ask it again. You get a second shot. Okay. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God. So who's he writing to here in first John? He's writing to Christians. Okay. Okay. These things have I written unto you that you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. That ye may know that ye have eternal life. So is it possible for someone who is a Christian to not know that they have eternal life? Yes, it is. He's writing these things that you may know that you have eternal life. Implied here that there are times where you may not know that you have eternal life. That is called doubt of your salvation. Now, you know people that have encountered this. You know people that are Christians. They've believed on Jesus and they've doubted their salvation. I promise I was trying not to trick you in that question. Assurance comes through truth. Okay, so I'm going to want us to walk through these steps here in understanding assurance of your salvation, and we have to focus on the Word of God. It is infallible. John chapter three and verse fifteen: that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John three sixteen for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life john 3:36 he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not on the son hath son not see life but but the wrath of god abideth on him in, first, in john chapter 5 and verse 24 verily verily i say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. And obviously, the passage that we looked on before, Verily, verily, I say unto you, um, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life, John six forty seven. And so, to have assurance of your salvation, you need to go to the Bible, because the Bible says that you can know that you have eternal life. Now, this is confirmed by the Holy Spirit. Look at John or Romans chapter 8 and verse uh, 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, this is talking about the inner man. You're created a new creature at salvation. This is not talking about the outer man. And so assurance of your salvation and my salvation comes from the truth of the word of God. Well, who is the truth of the word of God? He is a person. He is the spirit of truth. John chapter 4, 14 and verse 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it has seen him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. See, the Holy Spirit is here in reference as the spirit of truth. He is that convincer of your salvation. He convinces you of truth, of this word. Because remember, the unregenerate, they cannot understand spiritual things. The Holy Spirit convinces them of what? Sin of righteousness and judgment, the Bible says. John chapter 16 and verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever ye shall hear, that shall he speak, that he will show you the things to come. And in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 6, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us, whereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So the Holy Spirit convinces us of the truth that's in the Bible. Assurance comes from that convincing. It comes from the infallible word, the truth, from our Bibles. Assurance also comes from faith. Now, there are um, two classifications I'll break down faith to us. We learn that faith is essential for salvation. It is also essential for assurance. The subject of faith. Who is that? That is us. We are the subject of faith. So when you put your assurance in the subject of faith, you, it sounds something like this. How can I be saved? Did I say that prayer right? I don't remember that prayer. I don't remember exactly I, that's the subject of faith. We are to put our... Faith in the object of faith. Not in us, but in Jesus. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, the object of faith is God himself. Based on his infallible words. Now, that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be evidences of your salvation. You should know there should be evidences in your salvation. But you should not rely upon those evidences for your assurance of salvation. And sometimes we get some not great preaching around some of this. Because if you don't do this or if you don't do that, then you might not be saved. And that seed of doubt can grow into People not being sure of their salvation because it's placed in the wrong thing. (laughs) Whether you do whatever, remember, you cannot do anything to get to heaven. You have to put all of your trust and all of your faith in Jesus himself. Because we can't do enough. Matthew chapter 5. What is the standard for heaven? Last verse, perfection. None of us here are perfect. We can't do enough to be perfect. But in us is the one who is perfect and his name is Jesus Christ. So assurance comes through faith. Assurance also comes through some understanding. You have to understand some things. And first you have to understand something pretty basic and that's eternal life. If you get it at salvation, how long is eternal life? It is forever. It is eternal. (laughs) Why would we think that eternal life was anything less? So if you're truly saved, which you can diagnose that by understanding whether you believed on Jesus, as the Bible says, in faith and repentance, as we talked about. Eternal life is forever. Eternal life isn't something necessarily that we get. It is Eternal life is really a person. 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 2. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That verse tells us that eternal life is Jesus himself. He gives it, and as a Christian who lives in us, we have it. <laughs> it's born into us. We're born again. Assurance comes from understanding without confusion. First John chapter 5 says that we may know that we have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we know that passage. Confusion is not from God. That verse in the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. Everyone I've ever talked to, everyone I've ever met about doubt, uh, doubting their salvation or the assurance of their salvation, is confused. (laughs) And so diagnosing that problem, you know that is not from God. There's a big difference between confusion and conviction. And if you are unsaved... I can tell you what, what you are going to be convicted about because Christ Himself says that He's going to send the Comforter, and we already talked about that. But you're going to be convicted of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That's what you're going to be convicted of. Other than that, if you're a Christian, it's confusion. God's not the author of that, the enemy is the author of that. And listen, he wants all of us to remain in a state of confusion. And as Brother Paul mentioned in the Sunday school class about doctrine, we have no excuse to be confused. We have to know what we believe. It is essential to everything that we are. It is essential to your salvation. It is essential to your assurance of that salvation. Assurance comes also by understanding the grace of God. Turn over to Galatians chapter 2. Works takes away the grace of God. And in Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And then drop down to verse number 20. But I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, I, but Christ liveth in me. That is key. And then Paul continues there in, in verse number 21. He says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ died in vain. OK, so assurance comes from understanding the grace of God. If it is works, the things that we are due to get our assurance I, Paul's pretty clear here. He said, I don't frustrate the grace of God, for if by righteousness come by the law, then Christ died in vain. Think about that. Your works is not where assurance comes from. It isn't. It only comes from Jesus. Jesus. Assurance of salvation comes from Jesus, just like your salvation comes from Jesus. Justification, sanctification, assurance, they're all by faith. So what's the danger of doubt? Well, I think you know. The danger of doubt is that you're going to lose your joy. You're going to not have any effect. People that doubt their salvation... They're very troubled. And Satan wants this. Because it makes us ineffective. I mean, are you going to be able to win someone to Christ and lead them to the Lord if you can't overcome doubt of your salvation? Probably not. And again, John 10.10 10. The enemy is here to steal our joy. He's here to kill our effectiveness. And he is here to destroy our ability to accomplish anything for God. That is right where he wants us. And so don't give place to the enemy. Don't rely upon yourself for the assurance of your salvation. Don't rely upon yourself for your salvation. It won't work. Back to our passage that we started with, John chapter 10 and verse 10. He says that I I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. We have to conclude this by talking a little bit about abundant life. Abundant life is normal Christian life. It is not something that, is, that should be relocated to a select few of people. But as Christians, all of us should have life more abundantly. That is the normal Christian life. I remember in college I read through Watchman Nee's book which is a normal uh, Christian life. <laughs> um, and in that book, he, um, in, the, in the book Normal Christian Life, he says this, the Son of God died instead of us for our forgiveness. He lives instead of us for our deliverance. So we can speak ...of two substitutions. A substitution on the cross... ...who secures our forgiveness... ...and a substitution... ...within... ...who secures our victory. Do you need victory over something today? What is your need? Paul says in Galatians chapter 2... ...verse number 20... ...he says, I am crucified with Christ... Nevertheless, I live, he says, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This abundant life is not a goal, it is not an action, it is not an activity. It is a person. And his name is Jesus. There's a theme here that will protect us from the enemy. It's not things that we do. We can't earn our salvation. We can't keep our salvation. We can't have assurance of our salvation. But as Paul said in Galatians here, and we know through scriptures, all of that we have to put on Jesus. He came to deliver us from it all. And so I don't know where you are today. I don't know what your need is. Maybe your need salvation. Maybe you've never believed on Jesus. I'm here today to tell you that if you believe on him, you can have eternal life. I don't know if you're going through doubt of your salvation. But I know that if you die yourself, if you trust in Jesus, He will remove that doubt. I don't know if you're not living the normal Christian life, the life, the abundant life. Would you classify your life as abundant? If not, the answer is still the same. It is Jesus. So as uh, we conclude here, ask brother Jed and sister Andrea to come up right now and i'm going to ask everybody to stand and i'm going to ask us to do something that we normally don't do here (laughs) i want you to stand and i want you to bow your heads and i'm going to ask you to raise your hand first of all if you will bow your head i want you to raise your hand If today the Lord spoke to your heart and you are in need of salvation, so we can pray for you. If you know that he is not your Savior, that Christ is not your Savior, if you know that you do not have eternal life, raise your hand. Testimony before God, we want to pray for you. Thank you. If you have doubts of your salvation... Or have had doubts of your salvation. And haven't quite overcome that. Would you raise your hand? Just to Jesus. He's ready to help you through that. If your life isn't an abundant one. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand there. But I am going to ask you to pray right now. And search your heart. And as we bow our heads, and Jed, Brother Jed leads us through a song, I want, you to, I, want you to, I want you to pray to God and ask him for help. He is the answer to all of that. Whether that's in your pew, or whether that's down here, just do whatever the Holy Spirit has led you to do.